All right. Good evening, everybody. Sunday night rant. And tonight we have a topic that I think is very important because all my years, 33 years in the workforce, 32 years in real estate. In that time, I've learned that uh, most business problems that people have, and this particularly come through my coaching, are caused by non-business issues. Good evening, hello Emil, hello everyone. Hello Maddie Lancashire, good to see you last uh, Monday on the Gold Coast where you did a presentation I'm sure that would have been outstanding because you're an outstanding operator. One of the best at Bendel Paid. Shane Beaumont, how are you? Hello, Tane Jane, the 34-soul 30, man for the month. Hello, Paul. So um, I've learned that most business problems are caused by non-business issues. I've learned that most people that go off track or something happens is caused by a non-business issue. And that's why tonight, which is very timely, because tonight's the night that... Uh, it marks one year since the death of my brother. And today we have the actual one year memorial service. Um, as you know, he was my younger brother by quite a few years. And uh, he passed away after a, a short illness, an unrelated illness to the one that uh, I had. But um, hey, James, hello everyone. But tonight what I thought I'd do is, hey, Nick, is, is share with you what the year has been like because I think that social media lives and real lives are not the same thing. I think that if you really had a video camera the way that Gary Vaynerchuk has got a video camera following him and you saw my year, it uh, would not be what you uh, uh, would have... Uh, really have seen on my social media. Of course, I wasn't going to be, you know, uh, posting you the darkest of times. But what I thought I'd share with you is that even though I had two major events happen in this 12-month period, I have to say that over the last 12 months, I'd had a very, very good business year. And um, I thought I'd share with you some of my learnings are when, when things fall apart, right? when everything goes to shit, when your life's sort of just falling everywhere, whether it's a bad diagnosis, whether it's the death of a staff member, whether it's the death of a family member, whether it's a diagnosis of your child, whether your kid has committed suicide, whether a sibling has committed suicide, whether it's been the breakdown of a marriage, whether you'd been deceived and you thought you had a loyal marriage and in fact you'd been lied to whether it was um, substance abuse, whether it was um, anxiety or depression, whether you had a financial breakdown and you were living beyond your means. Hi to everyone that said hi, and I'm just not looking at the screen because I'm trying to get focused because this is a serious, for me, a very serious subject because right now, as I'm speaking to you, I know, I know, even, even this morning when I woke up and I went and had a coffee and I turned on my mobile phone, I have to say to you that uh, I had uh, someone young text me and tell me that last night um, they had their brother um, um, suddenly, um, uh, I don't know whether I should actually go further into that story, um, but 
it was very, very sad. Let's leave it at that, because I think if I say too much more, there'll be a possible identification. Um, so, guys and girls, let me share with you some of the information I'd like to tell you I'd learnt. Number one is, when, when tragedy strikes, when tragedy strikes, I want you to understand that that you don't want to be the unquestioning friend. Listen to me very carefully. The unquestioning friend, hi Sean, hi Tina. The unquestioning friend is the person that doesn't know how to act. Like they know that you're going through shit. They know that you've had a major crisis in your life, but they don't know how to act. So what they do is they're unquestioning and what they'll do is they, they potentially disappear and you don't see. And it's not because, it's not because they're not a good friend. It's just that they don't know how to react. So one, one form of um, a friend's beha- uh, reaction is that they, they'll sort of disappear and think, I'm just going to stay out of it for now. Um, I don't think that that is a, a good strategy. Thank you, Marie, and your husband was very kind enough to be there today. I don't think that's a good strategy because what that actually does is it makes the person feel further lonely and further alienated from normality, right? So the unquestioning friend is, is, is not the thing to be. Or the, when you say unquestioning friend, the unquestioning friend is the one that says, I oh, made how's life? How's life? When that person knows and you know that life is not that good. Can you please listen to me very carefully? The sentence you should use to a person that's in absolute pain due to an event that is out of control, that is bad, that's happened, is the following. And Susan, I'd like you to actually type this in to the notes on Facebook because I think it helps a lot of people. And the words you should use is not how's things. What you should be saying is, how are you today? Because how are you today is actually acknowledging that um, you're going through a dark period and it's going to tell you, you know, hi Danny, hi Nicholas. It's going to tell you like in the darkness, is it better than normal? Are you having a better day than normal? Hello, Mike Nickel. Then thank you for all your support too. So the, to replace the question with not how's things, to how are you today? That there says that this person feels your pain and knows what you're going through. However, if you are going through a dark period now, I want you to also understand, hey, Jason, look forward to seeing you in New Zealand this week. I'll be with you for two days. Pumped about that. I'm going to be in New Zealand most of the week, by the way. Um, So there are three things. There are three things that happen when tragedy and darkness strikes. Here they are. The first thing that happens is that you have personalization. You personalize the bad thing. So when someone dies, right, what you do is you say to yourself, what could I have done? Could I have done something? So you personalize it, right? You actually think to yourself, and I did for a while, I was thinking to myself, you know, should I have told my brother he shouldn't have been smoking that much? Should I have been harder on that? Should I have told him not to, you know, binge drink on the weekends? Should I have, 
should I've told him to pay better attention to his diet? Would that have made a difference, right? So there's this personalization, and personalization is worst of all, worst of all in suicide, right? Suicide is the worst, because in personalization in suicide, people turn around and say, what could I have done? Did I not notice something? Um, what if I'd intervened there? What if that had happened? And personalization, personalization is something that you've got to make sure that when the shit hits the fan, you don't do, you don't do. And for me, there was another thing, and that was, I, I started to have, and this, this falls under the umbrella of personalization, and that is survivor's remorse. Because I thought to myself, you know, how is it possible that I've been unwell a number of times in my life? A number of times in my life, I've, I've been fighting for my life, you know, many of you know why. And I thought to myself, why have I survived? Why did I recover and he didn't? And I clearly remember the day um, at RPA Hospital when I was there that I just broke down and, you know, a couple of people came around me and I, I mean, what it was, was I was thinking to myself, like, he is younger than me, he would have taken a bullet for me and it happened to him, why am I still going? And I know that's an illogical thing, you should be happy that you're, you're healthy, but uh, when grief strikes, that's what actually happens. The, the next thing that happens, it's the three Ps, in fact. Personalization is the first one. The second thing that happens is when the shit hit the fan, when things are really, really bad, when there's darkness, right? People actually have another thing, and it's called pervasiveness. What happens is that you believe that this bad event, even though it's, you know, in one area of your life, that it's going to affect, it's going to be pervasive and actually impact every area of your life and then that leads to the third P, and that is permanence. And what actually happens is that you believe illogically, this is default thinking, that this thing will never, ever go away. So let me go through those three Ps. There's personalization, where you personalize it and you think to yourself, you know, could I have done something differently, right? Um, then there is, and then there is... Um, um, uh, pervasiveness, where it's affected an area of, of your life, but you believe that it's going to affect every area and you're going to get smashed totally. And the last one is permanence. And permanence is an interesting one because what it basically says is when you're really down in the dumps, you should never ever listen to yourself. Because what it says is this, that things will never get better, that things are permanent, that Things are going to be like this and they will never change. And those three Ps, in fact, are all incorrect. All incorrect. So what did I do? Let's talk about what did I do and what can a person that's listening to this rant do that might be going through a really, really shit time right now? And by the way, I'm not going to swear in this rant because... I don't want someone not to send this to someone that needs to hear it. I'm not going to send, I'm not going to swear because I'm not going to have someone. And by the way, I can tell, I was saying to someone the other day, I can tell you, they said, mate, you do pretty good on social media with your swearing. I would have double the amount of following on social media if I wasn't using the language I use. I would have more speaking gigs 
But the issue is I'm totally over the moon with what I've got in my life as it is. So I'm totally comfortable with swearing. The issue is this. I'd love you to share this because right now, like the person that sent me the text message this morning, um, there are people that are silently suffering in quiet desperation. And um, I'd like to, uh, and by the way, I would specifically like to put it out there. If there is, the email is info at tompanos.com.au and I'll do every effort I can subject to me being able to respond with the workload that I've got at a specific time to come back to you because it matters to me. It matters to me. If I can reduce suffering in any way, and don't get me wrong, I'm not in any way putting myself on a pedestal to be some sort of guru, but I've walked through the path of pain and I know the feeling and I know that I can tell you that there's three or four things that I've done during those hard times and let me go through them. The first thing is, particularly in the first month of darkness, when things are really, really bad, where you basically feel like you're, you're, you're walking in a nightmare, like you're alive in a nightmare, is that um, you take notes on your mobile phone on even the small bits of joy or happiness or that happened in that day. So the first thing you do is even any small glimpses of happiness, of any joy, of anything good that happened, you actually type it into your mobile phone under notes because it helps you to actually move your attention from your brain, even for a short period of time, to that thing that shows that things aren't totally dark. That's the first thing. The second thing is I started doing things that made me happy when I was a young kid. And I started thinking to myself, you know, like I like squash. I was addicted to squash and I've just taken it up again. And it's made me really happy. I mean, I love playing squash. I played squash for a number of years. I played squash for Sydney Uni at competition level and I did that for a decade and I've just taken it on again and it's something that I love watching even on you know YouTube and Susan who's been Susan who's been incredibly supportive in in difficult times has always been someone and I'm going to come to that point where in 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 dark times what you need to do is you need to have a few people, and even if they don't do anything, they're what I call panic button friends. A panic button friend is a person that you don't even probably going to call on them, but the fact that they're there, that you know you've got this panic button, it gives you a layer of comfort. It gives you a layer of support, knowing that you can rely on that person or you can rely on friends, which I'm going to talk about in a moment because apart from taking notes on my mobile of any good things that were happening, I, um, I started doing things I liked. Squash was one. Watching it, thinking about it, 
Um, backgammon, believe it or not. A lot of people probably don't know that. I love playing backgammon and I would go online and play backgammon, whether it was on a plane and the games were there or whether it was on my mobile phone. So I'd give myself some temporary relief from it. The other thing um, I did is, you know, even though... Um, I, 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 even though I didn't have, I wasn't in the mood to work out really, really hard, I found that doing the, the bay run and walking around the bay run, I found it extremely useful. So physical movement seemed to actually help my mood. So something physically helped mentally. Um, the other thing is that going to the cemetery um, with my mum and my, and my dad, Going to the cemetery, I would uh, meet other people that were in a similar situation, and um, I met other people. Even there's a you know guy you know watching this. Uh, it's called Bagaman. Thanks, Susan. Um, you know, I I I I found that talking to to other people that had a similar experience helped. And this is going to bring me to a story. Now, you may have heard of this story. It was the 1972 Rugby Union Uruguayan team. And there was a plane crash in the Andes. This is a fascinating story. In, so in 1972, there were 33 uh, Uruguayan Rugby Union players who um, were in a plane accident and out of the 32, sorry, there was 33, 33, out of the 33, 16 um, didn't die. But for 72 days, for 72 days, they were trapped in the Andes, facing avalanches, facing freezing temperature, and they were starving. And what happened in this story, which was really, you know, like, Think about it. Some of their radio equipment still was working, but they could not actually speak, but they could hear. And they heard that after, I think, three weeks, the search party had stopped. So they had given up hope on these people. They'd given up hope on looking on these people, right? So what actually happens is that these people, for 72 days, the way they coped, well, you know, they had to eat. In the end, they had to eat frozen flesh. They ate other players. They ate their friends to stay alive. And what they talked about, and it's fascinating reading on how these people in the end survived, these 16. They started sharing visions of if they were to be found and if they were to survive what their future would look like. And one guy would say he would build uh, an incredible restaurant. Another person said that he'd be spending time with his family. And everyone talked about the careers and the things that they would do. And this shared vision of the future helped them and they were all in the same pain. And what we've learned is this, that a support group of people that are going through the same pain just makes it that little bit more bearable that someone else, someone else actually has walked your path and is feeling the same way. So that has been 
the power of support groups. So anyone that's going through darkness now, can I suggest some of those things I've just mentioned that I did, i.e. taking notes and focusing on some of the positives, doing things you like, walking, finding a shared group of people that have got your pain, which is sort of making yours a little bit more bearable. They're great things to be doing. And of course, to understand not to fall into the trap, to believe the stuff you say to yourself when you're scared, depressed, and anxious. Don't believe that stuff. And um, what happened is that these people, there's a beautiful term, it was called ground hope. Ground hope was when these Argentinian rugby union players actually then would not only just have a vision of the future, but they would immediately take action. So what they would do is in small groups each day, go out and walk, trying to see if there was anything, if they could find someone, if they could find something, if they could find food. And these small groups were able to find a piece of the aircraft and that piece of the aircraft ended up becoming shelter and they took the insulation and the insulation became a sleeping bag. That would allow them to sleep more. Sleeping more gave them more energy for the following day to walk further and eventually they came through and they met a guy on a horse that was like 30 miles away and on day 72 they got rescued. 72 days in the Andes. So um, Ground Hope says this, that you should take action. Even the smallest step in the right direction could end up becoming the biggest step in your life. So even in absolute darkness, you do something. So number four, you know, sorry, not number four. I'm just looking at here and can I just say that when I was in darkness, when I was in darkness, let me tell you the things that I found that I liked the best. Believe it or not, sometimes I'd speak at a conference and at the end of the conference, someone would come up and I still remember, I don't know who she was, but I still remember a girl in New Zealand come up to me at the end of a conference and she said, have you got a moment? And I said, yeah. She said, can I please give you a hug? And hugs are good. Hugs are good. Hugs are a physical demonstration that someone is trying to take some of your pain away. Hugs are good. And Russell, thank you for that. That means a lot to me as well. Russell Thomas, great guy, fantastic guy. Um, and the other thing is I found it really helpful when people would be specific with the help that they would offer. I remember one day when I was at palliative care and my brother had 24 hours to die and he'd got down to 45 kilos. And, um, I remember it was David Walker from Ray White Warunga. He He's, who's, who's a great, apart from being a great guy, he's a great real estate agent, he's a great guy. He's all of that. Um, David Walker from Ray White Warunga said, Tom, I'd like to come 
to Concord, if you'd like me to, where we can have a meal and we can just hang out and chat about whatever you prefer to chat. So all I remember is a specific request is really, really good. A specific request, like specifically saying, like I'm saying to you specifically, that's the email. That's the email. If you're in a bother, you send an email to that email. So I think um, what I'd like to say as I finish off here today is that um, don't be the, the non-questioning friend. Be the person there that says, how are you today? Hug, give specific requests. And if you are going through a dark period, I want you to remember permanence, pervasiveness and personalization are not real. And in fact, always remember your current situation, your current situation is not your ultimate destination. If you are going through shit, what's coming is better than what's gone. And I can tell you that firsthand. Guys and girls, signing off, and I'll see you next week.